Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Let's see. He is risen. Y'all know it. Good job. Good job. I love doing that uh, at Easter. My name is Fred. Uh, I am the lead pastor here, and it is so good to see half your faces today. Thank you for, for, for being here. Um, smile with your eyes. That's what I, I keep telling people. It's great to see you. I'm so glad y'all are here. Um, here's what I hope happens today. Um, I hope that as we talk about the resurrection, um, uh, here's what I hope happens. I hope that you are, are inspired to walk in more faith and trust in Jesus today than you had yesterday. And even more so, I hope that you are inspired to walk in more faith and trust in Jesus tomorrow than today. Um, because if that is what you want, then you have found your people here. Uh, because at Fellowship, no matter who you are or where you are, we really are a church for you. And that is what we strive for as a church, is to, is to trust in Jesus more and to walk with him closer. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you today, you can go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to be in verses 12 through 23. Now, you might be thinking, why on Easter Sunday are we in 1 Corinthians, right? Because the Gospels tell the story of the resurrection. Well, you've heard the resurrection story read out loud, um, and so we know what happened. What we're going to do today is I want to show you what the early church, what Paul uh, in particular taught as the importance of the resurrection. Right Now, kids, I know uh, Miss Carol said you can write the word resurrection or you can write the word risen uh, on, your, on, your, on the paper in front of you. And if resurrection, you want to write that word, but it seems like a really big word to spell, that's okay. If you look in your, in your Bible, that word is written in our passages today. And so your parents can point to it, and, and that's how, how you spell it. Right, but here's what we're going to see. Paul is going to answer a question that many of us might actually have. Now, we may not have articulated it this way, but Paul's going to answer this question that I think many people have. Uh, because you see, in Paul's time, there was this group of people uh, in the Jewish faith called the Sadducees. And um, here's what made this group of people sad. You see, like that's, that's the, the joke there. Good morning. Um, uh, but here's what made them sad, you see, is that they didn't believe in a resurrection, right? They didn't believe that someone could die and then come back to life. Now, you can see then, if they didn't believe in a resurrection, how Jesus might have been a bit of a stumbling block for them, right? And how the story of Jesus' resurrection as it spread and spread and spread might have continued uh, to, to be a stumbling block for them. But see, not only did they not believe in a resurrection uh, in, in Jesus, they also taught uh, that people couldn't be resurrected. Now this was also a stumbling block because Jesus said, if you look in the Gospels, in John chapter 11, Jesus said this. It's Jesus talking to the woman at the well and he goes, he goes, I am the resurrection and the life and whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so Jesus taught not only was he going to be resurrected, but that people are going to be resurrected. And the early church taught this too. The early church taught that just like Jesus was going to be resurrected, people will be resurrected. They taught that all people will be resurrected. That believers will be resurrected into eternity with God. Billy, it's great to have you back. And that non-believers will be resurrected into judgment, that all people will be resurrected, will be resurrected. Well, this was an issue with the Sadducees. 
You see, when you don't believe in the resurrection and someone is resurrected, it causes you to rethink things. But the problem with the Sadducees is that they didn't rethink it. They just doubled down on their theology. And listen, I'm going to give you a little tip. If Jesus contradicts your theology, your theology is wrong. And you change your theology. And the Sadducees didn't change their theology. They doubled down on it. And they kept telling people, there is no resurrection. You won't be resurrected. Now maybe this is a question that has bounced around in your soul at some point. Maybe you too have wondered, is the resurrection real? Is the resurrection real? Now, I mean, maybe you're all for Jesus' teaching, right? The love, the, 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 the peace, the mercy, the justice. But did Jesus really come back to life? Or maybe you're even on board with that. That Yeah, Jesus came back to life, but I'm not so sure we will, come, we will be resurrected. Like, I think we just kind of die and we end up in heaven and, and, and that's it. But this whole resurrection thing, I'm not sure that I buy into that. Well, today, what we're going to see is just how important the resurrection is to our faith. Now, this may sound scandalous, but but stay with me for just a minute, because here's what we're going to see today. That we're going to see that without the Bible, guess what? Our faith is fine. Without gathering together as a church, our faith is fine. But without the resurrection, our faith is foolishness. Like, that's how important the resurrection is to what we call Christianity. That's how important the resurrection is to our faith. Well, let's look at verse 12. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, Paul says this. Paul's the the one that wrote it. And he says, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Right? So now he's speaking to this, to this, to this, uh, to this, this theology that the Sadducees were, were promoting in the early church. And what Paul's going to do is he's going to show that if there is no resurrection, then something happens. Actually, a lot of things are going to happen. Now, when I was a kid uh, and, I, and I was growing up, first of all, you have to know this about my mom. Mom, I love you, but you are a hoarder. And so we kept things that we had no business keeping, right? Like, but one of the things that we kept was uh, this, this tin box of dominoes. And like, I remember this tin box. I remember the smell of this old tin box with the dominoes in it. But here's why I was confused about why we kept it. Because we were missing dominoes. So you couldn't actually play any games with it. But that didn't stop me and my friends. Because, because, because when your parents are hoarders, you know, you have a lot of stuff to play with, right? And so we would grab this tin box of dominoes. And we, would, and we would stack them up and put them about an inch apart from each other. And we'd make these elaborate paths that would divide and fall off things and climb up things. And then we would push one. And you know what would happen if we did it Right. Like all these other dominoes would fall. Have y'all, ever, have y'all ever done that? Made those with dominoes? Kids, have y'all ever made those? They're a blast, especially when they work, right? Well, what, what Paul is going to do, then you're familiar with this, because what Paul is going to do here is he's going to show this. He's going to show that if the resurrection domino falls, right? If the resurrection is the first domino and that one falls, all the other dominoes of our faith fall as well. And he's going to go through them one by one in an effort to show this early church in Corinth and to show us the importance of the resurrection. Look at verse 13. Because Paul says this, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, 
then not even Christ has been raised. So Paul just goes, goes right for the right for it. He goes, listen, if, if, if there is no resurrection, if that domino falls, then Christ could not have been raised. Now there's evidence that the Sadducees actually gave allowance for Jesus to be raised from the dead. That they were telling people, okay, okay, God can resurrect God, but people aren't going to be resurrected. And so what Paul is saying is like, you can't do that. You can't say that Jesus has something that he doesn't offer us because that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show us who God is. And he came to show us that we can be partakers in God and with God in life, right? And so Paul is saying that if there is no resurrection, then, then Jesus has not been raised. If there is no resurrection, if the, if the resurrection domino falls, then, then, then the Jesus domino falls, is what Paul is saying. Well, look at what falls next. If the resurrection domino falls, if the resurrection falls, the, the, the Jesus domino falls. Look at what falls next. Verse 14 says this. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. So if the resurrection domino falls and if the Jesus domino falls, then the preaching domino falls. And this word vain means that the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel that Paul preached, the gospel that I preach, that means that, that gospel is completely empty if the resurrection didn't happen. That's what vain means. It means that it's empty, it's, it's shallow, that there's nothing to it. And see, without the resurrection, without Jesus, I'll be honest with y'all, I have nothing to say. Y'all don't need to be here. You certainly don't need to be listening to me because in, if the resurrection didn't happen, the best I can give you is good advice. And good advice only works for a little while. Because if there was no resurrection, then what we say here on Sundays and what we talk about in our growth groups and, and what we believe as a church makes absolutely no sense. Look at the rest of verse 14. Because Paul goes on to say, if preaching is in vain, then guess what? Your faith is in vain. Your faith. You see, your faith is the next domino to fall. Because you see, this church in Corinth... It's based on the gospel that, that, that Paul preached to them, right? Now imagine, here's what I want you to do. This is what this is like. Imagine your favorite chair at home. Right? What is your favorite chair? Imagine it is a comfy chair, right? You probably have a little something to put your feet up on. It's a super comfy chair. Well, imagine. Imagine if you go to sit in that chair and somebody sneaks up behind you and pulls that chair out from under you. And you end up flat on the ground. See, this is what Paul is saying. Is saying is that, is that if, if there is no resurrection, then your faith is nothing to rely on. Because that's actually one of the definitions for faith. It's what you put your trust in. And every time you sit in a chair, guess what? You're putting your faith in that chair to be there. And what Paul is saying is that there is no resurrection, then what you're putting your faith in doesn't exist. Somebody has pulled that chair out from, other, uh, from under you. And so if the preaching domino falls, the faith domino falls. Now we know that our faith is in the gospel. And the gospel means good news. And, and it means that when you say yes to Jesus and yes to, to, to following Jesus, that Jesus has paved the way for you to have this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves you and the God who made you. In Jesus, we know he lived this life 
uh, that we get to see in the Gospels. He lived it without sin. He, 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 he was innocent, and yet he died the death of a criminal, and he entered death and conquered it to give us life. That's what the resurrection represents today. And so when you say yes to Jesus, yes to giving him your life, giving him your, your expectations, giving him your successes, your failures, your mistakes, your sin, when we give those to Jesus and we place our trust in him, In its place, we get life. We get life with God. We get life with Jesus. You see, the resurrection proves this to be true. Without the resurrection, here's what we have. Without the resurrection, we just have an innocent man that was killed for crimes that he didn't commit. And y'all, that happens every day around the world. But with the resurrection, we have a God making all things right. That's what we celebrate today with the resurrection, that we have a God who is making all things right. We have a God that is giving us life instead of death. And so listen, if you haven't said yes to Jesus, if you haven't said yes to this Jesus that was raised from the dead just to show you how much God loves you, then say yes to him today. Let today be the day that you sit in this chair of faith. Because trust me, no one's going to pull it out from under you. It will be there when you place your faith in it. Look at this next domino. Verse 15 says this. So if, if the faith domino falls, verse 15 says this, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. And so what else falls? The very power of God falls. What Paul is saying is that if there is no resurrection, then God is completely empty, right? Because God can't do what he said he was going to do. Because when you read the entire Old Testament, it paints this picture of Jesus being raised from the dead. That Jesus himself said he was going to be raised from the dead. And if there is no resurrection, then Jesus is a liar and God is a liar. And if that's true, then that means we can't trust them because he isn't God. And so the very power of God falls. You see, this domino falls, it means that God can't raise people from the dead. You see, if the faith domino falls, then the God domino falls. Look at verse 16. Because if that isn't bad enough, look at at where else Paul goes. He says, says, for if the dead are are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And so if there is no resurrection, there is no gospel, there is no faith, there is no God, there is no that we can trust, then here we see we are still what's called dead in our sins. It means that death still has a hold. That there is no life. You see, if there is no resurrection, then all those sins, those, those failures, those mistakes, the, the things that we do that God says not to do and the things that we don't do that God says to do, all of those still have a penalty on them. If there is no resurrection. You see, if the God domino falls, the new life domino falls too. Because Jesus offers us a new life in him. But that's not all. Look at the last domino. The last domino says this in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only... 
then we of all people are to be pitied. And so the last domino to fall, like the one that, that, that clinches it all, the one that Paul is saying, if there is no resurrection, this is where we end up, is without hope. You see, if the new life domino falls, then the hope domino falls. I was talking to a friend of mine about death. Yes, you too can be my friend and we can talk about light and fun things. But he's not a believer and, and, and I was talking to him about death and I said, so what do you think happens when you die? And he said, I think it's just over. I think there's just darkness and you're done. And I said, okay, well, if you believe that about the end of your life, what does that help you live for today? Like, how does that impact your day? And he just went, meh. That's what he had, meh. You see, you see, what he realized without saying it is that without a resurrection tomorrow, there's no hope today. You see, without a resurrection, all you have is a hopeless end. That's all you've got. And without a hopeless end, it means you can't have hope today. That you really do just die and it's all done. And if that's true, then that has a dramatic impact on your day, doesn't it? If there's nothing hopeful in tomorrow, then there's nothing hopeful today. Now you can construct something and you can say the the sun is pretty today, the flowers are in bloom, but guess what? Tomorrow it's going to be cloudy. And in a few months, the flowers are going to die. But Paul changes the dominoes. The last domino has fallen. And now Paul changes it. Because look at verse 20. He says, but, but, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. That's right. He is Risen, Paul says. So all those dominoes that fall, that fell, they all get put back up. You see, we have a domino which can't actually fall because it's true. Paul says, in fact. And here's what I love. You don't actually have to take Paul's word for it. That's what the Gospels are. Now imagine a domino super glued to the table that no matter how hard you pushed it, it's not going to fall. Which means all the other dominoes that that are coming after it, they're not going to fall. That's what Paul says the resurrection is. You can push on it, you can prod it, but it's going nowhere. And we know this to be true because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us that it's true. Now here's the deal. In a court of law, if if an attorney stands up and makes a proposition and he lays out the evidence, right? And you've got all this evidence. That that may help. But when somebody stands up and goes, yeah, 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 that's what the evidence says. But let me tell you what I saw. I saw this. That's called an eyewitness. And if an eyewitness proves to be a, very, a, a, a good eyewitness, that's enough. Well, here's what we see in Scripture. We see Matthew, 
Mark and John were with Jesus when he was resurrected. We see, we see Luke who came after the, the disciples and he interviewed people that had been with Jesus and seen him resurrected. When you see the gospel, you see hundreds of people that saw Jesus resurrected. Now imagine coming into a court of law with not one eyewitness, but hundreds of eyewitnesses saying, this is what we saw. And, and, and Thomas standing up going, listen, I didn't just see him, I got to touch him. He was really resurrected. You know what a judge would say? A judge would say, then guys, he was resurrected. It's true. You see, that's why Paul can say, in fact, he was resurrected. Paul saw Jesus resurrected. Paul met him on a road to Damascus. You see, this means that all those dominoes didn't fall. Jesus was resurrected, which also means this. Look at verse 20. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, fallen asleep means, means those who have died. And so what Paul is going to do is he's going to say, this is what happens with death now. Because he uses this term, first fruit. And here's what first fruit means. Um, if, if you think back to ancient Israel, ancient Israel was this agricultural society, which means that they lived on uh, the money and, and, and goods that they traded for what they grew or what they raised. Right? And, and so what they would do, particularly those who, who had crops and, and, and those who had animals, like they would take, and, and those with crops, like they would take their fields, and, and once the fields became ripe, they would go through the first round and gather the fruit of that field, and they would take it not to the market to sell it. They wouldn't even bring it into their home. They would take it to the temple. And offer it to the priest. And the priest would do this, this ceremony with it where he would take that offering and he would raise it up. And he would wave it in the air before God. And, and here's why the, the priest would do that. Here's why people would bring it to the temple. They would, they would do that because it was called a first fruit offering. And they did that because it was a sample of what was in the field, right? It wasn't, it wasn't this idea that, that hey, I'm going to give this to God so that the rest of the field is mine. No, they were bringing it to the temple to show God, hey, this is what you grew in my field. Thank you for this. And the priests would wave it up in the air and they would take it to the temple so that, so that they would see that, that this whole field is God's, not just this little bit. Now, if they believe that, if they believe that the whole field was God's and not just this little bit, do you think that that impacted how they thought about the stuff that grew in that field? Do you think that they thought about what that meant for the person who needed food and couldn't get it themselves? Because that whole field is God's. Of course you can have some of that. Do you think that affected how they thought about, about that food when they took it to the market? Do you think that affected them being honest with people when they took it to the market? Because the whole field was God's. You see, now anytime we mention first fruit, it's real easy for us to think about a tithe. That's the closest thing we have. Uh, most of us don't live in an, ag uh, an agricultural society. Like, we, we trade in money, uh, the, right? Like, we don't trade in wheat and corn and all that stuff. And, and many of you give. You give weekly, you give monthly, you give yearly. How often you give, you put it in the boxes or you give online. And, and, and this is the same principle. Like when you give to the church, you don't give because that part is God's and the rest of the money is yours. You give because it is a sample of all of God's money. 
Because all that you have is God's. It's, that's your field, your house, your bank account, your, your, your credit cards, your debit cards, wherever your money is, your retirement accounts. Like all of that is God's. Not just the stuff that you put in the offering box or give online. And in the same way, do you think that that impacts the way you see the rest of that money if it's all God's? Do you think that it impacts how you spend that money if it's all God's? Does it change what you do with the rest of it? See, I think it can. But here's what Paul says. Paul says that Jesus is the first fruit. That Jesus is a sample of something that belongs to God. What is Jesus a sample of, that he's a sample of what's to come. He's the first fruit of, of death being conquered. Well, who's the rest? Well, look, look at what Paul says in 20, verse 21. He says, for as, man, uh, for as by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam we all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. That in Adam, in Adam rests death. In Jesus rests life. You see, Adam is where death is found because he died. But Jesus offers life. Jesus offers resurrection because he has been resurrected. He is a sample of what's to come. You see, without the resurrection, there is a hopeless end. But y'all get this. With the resurrection, there's, guess what? Endless hope. Without the resurrection, there is a hopeless end. But with the resurrection, there is endless hope. Y'all say that with me. Endless hope. With the resurrection, there is endless hope. You see, here's what Paul is showing us. That Jesus has been resurrected, which means there is hope. Not only hope for tomorrow, but because there's hope for tomorrow, there is hope today. We have been made alive in Christ. He is a sample of what's to come. That we too will also be resurrected one day. And we have endless hope, which means that hope doesn't run out. That tank is never empty. And because of our end, we can have hope today. See, what we believe about Jesus in the future affects what we, how we live in our today. And if there's hope in our future, we can actually have hope today. Even when you're sick. Right? Even when you're sad. Even when life is crazy, you can have hope today. We can have hope in this place, the church we can have hope here in church where, where hope can heal, right? Where hope is lived out, where we can confess our sins one to another and be healed. We can have hope because this is the place, the, the people of Jesus, where marriages are healed, right? Here, lives are given a fresh restart and another and another And another. Here communities are changed. Here hope lives. Because the resurrection shows us that hope is alive. That hope is not dead. So let me ask you. 
What do you want? What do you want? Jesus asked a guy one time, do you want to be healed? What do you want? Do you want a hopeless end? Or do you want endless hope? What do you want? You see, you can have endless hope today. Hope today because there is hope forever. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, that is where that endless hope lives. But for those of us who have said yes to Jesus, what we can do today is we can celebrate the hope that we have. We can celebrate the hope that we have in this true resurrection. We can celebrate the fact that we are made alive and you and I can experience hope today because we will experience hope forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Billy. God, thank you uh, for, for any of us who are in pain and yet hope, who are sad and yet hope who are happy and yet hope because we have an endless barrel of hope to draw from. And so, Father, I pray that we will do that today as, as it is a beautiful day today as because the flowers are out and, and those are good things. But, but God, I pray that we will, we will celebrate and we will rejoice in the resurrection. And I pray for us as a people that we will have hope today. In Christ's name I pray, amen.